fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This 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 is views from Midstream. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another rousing edition of the Views from Midstream podcast is in your ear holes. I was just ready oh, to you're, oh, you're celebrating. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not used to that, Lonzo. I'm, I'm not used ce- to seeing you celebrating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm celebrating a Carolina victory and a Tampa Bay loss. I mean, you know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, your Carolina Panthers, courtesy of a win over the Denver Broncos, 23-10. That got a little dicey there at the end, if we're being honest for just a minute. Uh, nevertheless, came up in favor of the silver and blue. And with that win over the blue and orange, the Carolina Panthers, with a little help from the Cleveland Browns, of all the dramatic things, find themselves now just a game out of the NFC South. Just like we told you all along, when Sam Darnold gets back, we're going to uh, to the... to the hey, Sammy Sam D, Darnold. baby! Sammy D, yeah! Sammy D? 11 of 19, 164, a touch through the air, a rolling touchdown on the ground, which was the funniest rushing touchdown I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Doesn't matter. It was worth six, and the Panthers get the win. And now, Lonzo, the yo-yo bounces up and down again. It went from tank to, hey, we're in the playoff race, to tank to, hey, we're in the playoff race, to tank. And now with the Cleveland men over Tampa, a game back in the division with a game against the Buccaneers still upcoming on the schedule. The Carolina Panthers are now just one game out of the division. Yeah, still four and eight. Not a great look. Not that I think this is a team that's making a run, but help making it to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, regardless of what division you're in is something you celebrate. Uh, now we're back off the tank wagon, Lonzo. We're right back into let's go win some football games. Yeah, it's like it's every other week for us. But you know what? We get to stay on the winning thing for for a couple of weeks because they got a bye coming up. So so we're gonna, we're gonna have six straight pods of yeah. Unless there's <laughs> unless, unless something happens in practice, we're good for for like six straight podcasts. Oh. So many things about this game. That rolling touchdown was hilarious. It really was. Uh, <laughs> he, he fumbled the ball. I mean, the fact that he was able to recover it and roll in there, it, it kind of takes away from the fact that he fumbled the ball, but he did. Um, I got to say, I don't I don't know how much you want to get into this, but this is more proof why Baker's not in there because Baker wants to throw the ball and Wilkes wants people in there who don't want to throw the ball. At 19 rushing attempts, you ended up with Dante Foreman rushing 24 times for a buck 13 on the ground. Once again, the streak of games where Deontay carries the ball for a hundo and the Panthers win remains intact. You also got 17 for 65 out of Chuba Hubbard as well. And then not to be outdone when you're running the ball well, and you're forcing defenses to collapse, you can get 103 yards on four snags, including a touchdown catch out of DJ Moore as well. Uh, This, though, today was an illustration 
of what this team is, who this team is, and how this team needs to and should operate if it wants to win games. I understand that it seems ridiculous that a Yahoo like me wearing a headset sitting at home can dictate what this offense needs to look like if we want to win, but this is what the offense needs to look like if we want to win. They did exactly the formula that I've laid out. You're going to need 35-plus rushes. You're going to need to keep it 17 to 22 throws top end, and you need your defense to cause havoc for opposite quarterbacks, 19 of 35, 142 and a touch for Russell Wilson, who was under pressure the majority of the day today, uh, took three sacks as well. Th- this, this, though, this, like that's all the sentence needs to be is this. This is the formula for this football team to succeed. You sprinkle in a little more talent next year, and this division's wide open. This game was exactly the game we're looking for out of this football team, though. Yeah. I, I mean, if the defense can continue to play that way, if they can continue to run the ball the way they did on offense and uh, not throw any interceptions, absolutely. You know what this can do? This can win you the South. It can absolutely win you the South. It's not going to win you anything else, but it's going to win you the South because um, all the other teams on all the other divisions are pretty good, just not in the South. So I, I'm not trying to be negative. I guess I sound negative, but uh, I'm all for winning the division. Why not? Uh, they're, they're, you could actually look ahead and possibly think that the Panthers could win every game they have left until they get to the playoffs. They could do that. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you 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 look ahead at the schedule. We talked about the fact that the Denver Broncos were kind of in that same box that we were in, right? Like, it's, hey, hey, it, hey it, Russell uh, Wilson is is who I said he was. I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, we but, were we were laughing in the Wednesday pod, uh, <laughs> and we're recording this by the way Sunday literally 30 seconds after the Tampa Cleveland game went final with Nick Chubb rushing for an OT touchdown to put it away to move the Buccaneers back under 500 and within one game's reach of the Panthers. Uh, But, you know, we, we were, we were laughing on Wednesday about the NFL.com preview video. They put up a preview video for all the games coming up that week and they opened it talking about Russell Wilson struggling for the Denver Broncos. And they said, who could have seen this coming? And I just said to my laptop, Lonzo did. Lonzo saw that coming. Lonzo tried to tell me preseason when we were doing our projections. And I said, hey, with Russ, Denver's a Super Bowl threat out of the AFC because that defense is so good. And Lonzo went, Russell Wilson's a fraud. Now, uh, fraud or not, the Broncos weren't that good. They were three and seven coming into this game. So, and and I said this in the Wednesday pod. This is exactly the team. If you were the Panthers at home, this is the, exactly the team that you need to go get a win against to prove that you are moving in the correct direction. You go get a win over a three and seven uh, three and seven Broncos team with Russell Wilson at the helm. And you are proving to everybody, even at four and eight, that you're dangerous 
next year. You have the foundation for next year. You sprinkle in a little more talent with eight draft picks. You shore up the head coaching position so there's no more uncertainty because I'm I'm perfectly happy with Steve Wilkes today. I'm actually happy relatively for the most part with the play calling of Ben McAdoo today. I'm really happy with the coaching staff today overall but obviously, anytime there's interim tagged onto somebody's job, there's going to be some level of uncertainty. You clear up that uncertainty, you add eight draft picks, and you take the Carolina Panther team that played two weeks ago against Atlanta. Frankly, a team that put up a hell of a fight against Baltimore last week and a team that beat a team they should have beaten on paper in the Denver Broncos today. And so I got to tell you, I'm actually really optimistic right now. I genuinely am, not just because we just came off of a win, because we we are winning the games we're supposed to win, and we're covering in the games that we're not. Good team win, great teams cover. We are winning the games we're supposed to win, and we're covering in the ones we're not, the Cincinnati game notwithstanding, which, again, I thought came at kind of a really tumultuous point in time, Uh I'm really optimistic about the, the the way this team is heading because, like today, we're winning the games we're supposed to win, and they're not particularly close. Uh, you know, Atlanta got down late. We were able to put them away. Denver today made a pushback at the end. We were able to slap them in the face one more time. I'm perfectly happy with what this team looked like the last three weeks. Yeah, watching this entire game, I, I it was never in doubt for me. You know, there have been games like, oh, no, here we go again. It was not for me today. Uh, the defense was playing excellent. They came out with fire. Uh, Foreman went to the tent two times and came back out and still went in the game. I don't know if they needed to do all that, but they weren't keeping him off the field. Sam Darnold wasn't making any mistakes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like every couple weeks we get to come in with optimism. To the point where it's like, yeah, this this is uh this team is heading in the right direction. A victory definitely makes you feel a whole lot better. I do have a problem with the stink and prevent defense, which I think a lot of people have that, that near the end of the game. Just play your defense the way you played it the entire game. Then they don't come back and score a touchdown. Pulling everybody back and keeping everybody in front of you and just letting them dink and dunk. That that can come back to haunt you. And you also gave up a, an onside kick recovery. So um, win, win strong. You, you played strong the entire game. Play strong till the till the whistle blows. And that's 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 the only problem I really had were, were those couple things is is playing your DBs back and not playing your defense as hard as you did the entire game. Because um, Russell Wilson is capable if he can find some of that old spark coming back and scoring a couple touchdowns on you and making this thing look closer than what it was because it was never, ever really close. It was, you know, late in the game. We got to the point late in the game. Uh, we got in the point late in the game where where Denver was able to get the ball back. They were able to make a late push, and, and I think it was Kenny Albert or whoever was calling that game actually said at one point, you know, if Denver scores here, the complexion of this game with a couple of minutes ish remaining in it looks all it looks very different right especially knowing that the onside kick uh they had success with it uh, and and have a couple of times this year if i recall correctly but you're looking at a broncos team that that's absolutely with the run game with the pass defense and having some level of success against darnold in particular spots is a team that is absolutely built to make 
a last-minute run against Carolina to try to make this thing a little dicey at the end. But the defense settled down. They did what they were supposed to do. You're exactly right, Lonzo. They got away from the pre-vet. They stepped back up and played the defense that had kept Denver out of the end zone the majority of the day. And they played assignment football and won the game late. I mean, that that's, that's the mark of a very good team. They do what they're supposed to do, even when there's pressure on it. Look, there was a little bit of pressure being applied by, uh, by the Denver Broncos late in that football game. And we answered that bell and finished them. And again, I know there's a lot of people that are watching this and going, yeah, but I mean, come on, Rob, they were three and seven, right? They were three and seven, which means that was a game we were supposed to win. And it is a game that we won, right? That That's what we're looking for. How many games over the past two or three seasons under Matt Rule, how many games were we supposed to have won and then didn't? Like an unfortunate number of them. I will take the mentality, though, of go out, win the games that you were supposed to win, do things the way they're supposed to be done, get some dubs against bad teams, and let's grow from there. And as far as I'm concerned, against Atlanta, against Baltimore, and against Denver, that's exactly what we've gotten out of this football team, and I'm perfectly happy with it. For sure. And and you look at it and go, okay, what are the pieces that Carolina needs? I, I think some people may be upset with the win. And I kind of understand those people like, no, 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 we're not supposed to win. What are you doing? Um, because uh, you, you moved down another spot. And now how are you going to get the quarterback uh, that you need? I th- you still got a lot of, of draft capital that you can trade to move up if you need to, uh, to get the quarterback that you want. If indeed they go a quarterback, I, I mean, which they should. But if the team plays the way they played today, the rest of the season, and other teams play the way they did, uh, we may be looking at at NFC South champion Carolina Panthers, and that's not supposed to happen. One thing, I and we'll talk about this because we're going to get X's and O's here in just a minute, but um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if I'm reading things the wrong way or what, but uh, did the offense not look much more comfortable today? Right. It didn't look frantic. It did. did. And, and again, the last couple of weeks, they really looked a little frantic against Baltimore. But I yeah, think but, that's but, because- but competition comes into to play. They they knew how bad Denver was. I mean, but Denver's defense was was supposed to be top three good. in the league. Yeah. But also, I, I, I mean, I think you've got to look and go, OK, it's Denver coming in. You know, Baltimore, they weren't intimidated by Baltimore. They definitely were not going to be intimidated by Denver. Sure. I mean, and again, I guess that's what I'm saying is you you went into Baltimore knowing this is a good football team. This is an AFC, uh, certainly an AFC North divisional contender, certainly an AFC Super Bowl contender. And you looked up and you went, holy crap, you know, there's five minutes left in this game and we are in a game. We are in a game. Uh, and I think we got a little a little tight sphincter there at the end, so to speak. And that caused a couple of mistakes that allowed Baltimore a couple of extra chances that they capitalized on. But, you know, again, I go back to the Atlanta game. Atlanta made a push late. We 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 got through it. We won the game. Uh, Baltimore pushed back late. We got a little rattled. We made a couple of mistakes. They took it from us. Today, Denver made a couple of shots late in that game. They came at us a little bit. We answered that bell as well. Um, again, I, you know, I've told you guys up and down, left and right all year, don't let one game – kind of dictate the, the certainly not the Baltimore game, but but I would have said Denver as well. 
dictate the optimism that you may or may not have for this team. I got more optimism after this game than I did going into it because, like I said, when the games you're supposed to win, cover in the games that you're not, and you've got the mark of a football team that is trending up right now, and we have done just that. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Brown has found joy in the day. We all celebrate. Find joy, my dudes. All right, the Views for Midstreet podcast rolls on. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina. That is Lonzo Wright. So we call him the great one, my co-host and partner in crime on both our show and this pod. I say all of that because I was so caught up in the moment with not only a Carolina win, but a Tampa loss to move us within one game of the lead in the NFC South that I completely forgot to introduce us to start the podcast. So hello, I'm Rob. He's Lonzo. We are glad to have you along for the Views from Industry podcast available where fine podcasts are found, whether it is on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Apple, iTunes, on Google Play, or for free on the Odyssey app. Do us a favor, share it around to your social circle so we continue. We can continue to grow the show. All right, let's take a look. The quarterback carousel continued to turn, turn, turn. Sam Darnold, 11 of 19, 164, a touch through the air, a touch on the ground. A weird one, but a touch. By the way, if he doesn't fumble that ball, he'd have scored anyway because there was nobody between him and the goal line. I'm glad that he was able to recover it and spin roll, barrel roll, or whatever you want to call it into the end zone. Uh, all of that being said, and so like maybe I'm – Maybe I'm reading too much into this here. Did Sam Darnold look a little bit more comfortable in the pocket than a after the first drive? Like he opened like one of five. It didn't go great early, but once he kind of got into the rhythm of the game, once he started seeing that, hey, DJ's going to give you a couple of cracks. Uh, Ian Thomas, by the way, great, great effort from Ian Thomas to make himself available when things didn't break down the way he wanted them to. Maybe I'm just optimistic. Maybe I'm just. In, in, in joyous bliss after the wins, though. But Sam Darnold looked mighty comfortable back there in the pocket as that game progressed. He he absolutely did. Uh, I think he, I think you're right. I think he was a little nervous at the beginning. I think he's worried that uh, if he throws the ball, he'll get benched and uh, because you're not supposed to do that. But I got some news for him. As good as he looked today, uh, during the bye week, he's going to get benched. It's just going to happen because we got to follow trends. I, I mean – the way, the way the trends go, uh, P.J. Walker ended up being the starter. I uh, I was about to have, Lonzo, I was about to have a very violent reaction to that, and then I realized, actually, you're probably right. <laughs> hey, I, I hope I'm wrong. With all the stuff I talked about Sam Darnold last podcast, he looked really good today. And if he can continue to do that the rest of the year, he should be the starter the rest of the year. But there's no guarantee of that. There's not. Um, um, Steve Wilkes could come out uh, when it's, uh, you know, uh, the Tuesday before the next game and go, we've decided that uh, P.J. Walker is a starter. He looked the best in practice. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it is the mentality, I guess, of are you trying to win games are you trying to better your draft position, right? Like how much of these decisions have to go with protecting the pick that we sent to Cleveland to pick up Baker Mayfield? I mean, there's there's so many other aspects of this 
that I don't think we can know which are being considered the most and why. Uh, what I do know is I think if you're Wilkes or Fitter or Tepper or or whoever ultimately pulls the trigger on our week-to-week strategy here, I think with the buy coming up, depending on what happens, obviously, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bucs took an L today. Uh, if they find themselves uh, on, a, on, on an L next week while we are on the bye, Tampa drops to five and six on the year. They are coming up next Sunday on the fifth against New Orleans. And again, not a good New Orleans team, but Tampa just lost to Cleveland and the Saints have been getting progressively healthier the last couple of weeks. Uh, if New Orleans does us a favor and knocks off Tampa Bay, we could theoretically, though, come off the bye in a tie for first place in the NFC South, right? And so then I think at that spot, anybody, any mentality in the front office of let's go ahead and lay down, let's go ahead and tank this thing for the rest of the year, I think that's got to go out the window, right? Like I think you have at that point to try to go play to punch a ticket into the playoffs, especially if you come off the bye in a tie for first place in the NFC South. And it'll be a tight tie. New Orleans would be right there with another one in their pocket uh, after theirs last weekend. Atlanta would be right there in that same uh, in that same record bunching. I mean, it would be a tight race in the NFC South. But whether it's two teams or four teams, I think if we come off the bye uh, healthy, and by the way, we are waiting to find out exactly what went on with Brian Burns late in that game. We saw him have to walk off. He smashed his helmet into the ground. He was not happy about whatever went wrong after that low block. I'm wondering if maybe he was just mad he didn't get the call because he did come back out onto the field for the last Denver drive. And obviously, uh, when we get back together on Monday uh, to put this whole thing together, uh, or excuse me, on Tuesday to put this whole thing together uh, for our midweek pod, we'll, we'll hopefully have an injury update at that point. But, uh, you know, if we come off, though, that bye week, fully healthy, fingers crossed, and if New Orleans does this a solid and knocks off Tampa Bay, uh, and we come off that bye in a tie for first place in the division, whether it's a tie between two teams or four teams, I think every man, every bit of I want to tank has got to go out the window and you got to go back out there and play as if you're trying to shock the world with a playoff run, which leads me to believe coming off the bye, Sam Darnold's got to be your starter again. Yeah, and also keep in mind that you still got to play Tampa again and New Orleans and Panthers have already beat both of them. Uh, the other thing is I think, I think I owe Sam a little bit of an apology because think of what he's been through last year. He gets, you know, he goes down with an injury. Uh, he has to fight for a job during the offseason with, with Baker Mayfield. He loses that job. He gets hurt. Uh, he sees, you know, P.J. Walker do what he do what did what he did. And then, you know, the rotation between the two. And then he comes in after all that and then wins a game. I, I mean, so mentally, which some people have questioned um, his mental strength as far as the game goes. He looked pretty good today with all that outside stuff and, and all the things that happened with him losing his job and everything coming in and, and playing the way he did. Did he miss some passes? Yeah, he missed some, but uh, he protected the ball and had the, uh, the, the touchdown that will be replayed over and over again for years to come when he rolled into the end zone. 
they're just going to replay that over and over and over again. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, we're going to make jokes about that, and we're going to have our fun with it. Uh, it's it's going to be played on some blooper reels, and that's all well and good. But here's the thing that I take away about that moment, Zoe. It, it's 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 wherewithal. It's it's understanding positioning. It's understanding what's happening on the field. It's understanding the rules. It's recognizing that this was a massive opportunity. Really, I want you to I want you to think about what goes wrong. If Darnold doesn't recognize that that is a fumble, doesn't get on the ball, it gets recovered. You're talking a 14-point swing potentially, right? You take one of our touchdowns off the board, Denver could theoretically march it down and put up seven. We're talking potential for a, a, a tied ball game at the point in time. Not only did Sam recognize what went wrong, get his big behind down on the ball, but then he realized that because Denver was going for the ball and there was nobody between him, he looked up and realized, oh, I better just roll, right? Just for, don't try to stand. If he tries to stand up and run in, he's getting smoked, right? If he tries to stand up and, and hand it over, it might get knocked out of his hand. He just tucks it away and he starts tur- turtle rolling down the field towards the goal line until he knows, by the way, he's a yard and a half deep in. I know it's funny and we're going to make jokes about it, but it shows me exactly the mentality I want out of that guy. Here's the mistake. Here's what I can do to correct it and limit the danger of making further mistakes in the process. Like I, I, I know a lot of people aren't going to look at it this way. I actually went, damn, Sam, nice job. Because the recognition of the mistake, the correction of the mistake and the limitation of possible further mistakes by doing what he did, uh, that's that's just smart football. That's just a smart football move that a lot of guys wouldn't make. A lot of guys would have just fallen on the ball and covered up, right? A lot of guys might have tried to push it into the ground, pick it up, and take off running and get smoked or get it knocked out in transition. Sam went, no, I'm going to get on it. Oh, nobody's around me. Roll, 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 I'm in. Uh I think he frankly deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that move. I don't think he's going to get as much credit as he deserves for doing that. The bad part about it, though, is always you could have had some more joy about it and just laughed his butt off as he's laying there knowing what he just did. But he doesn't seem like that kind of guy, you know, because if you and I did that, we're, we're, we're doing snow angels or something as we're laying there after we rolled into the end zone. And, uh, and he didn't do that. He's got to take some joy out of that. Maybe he's worried about being made fun of, but a touchdown's a touchdown. Um, and, and you're right. It takes wherewithal. It takes um, knowing where you are and what you need to do when you when you fumble and the ball bounced just perfectly like it seemed to do for the Panthers all day today. And uh, the role was – it was fun, man. It was. I agree. And, and listen, I, I think the other part of that is, and and uh, you really consider where Sam Darnold is. This is a guy who just played a, a really solid game. Again, nothing spectacular. It's not sending him to the Pro Bowl, right? Like it's not going to get him a trip to Hawaii or anything, but he did enough and then a little bit more to win the game for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but I also think he knows what we were just talking about a minute ago, Zoe, which is at the end of the day, we don't know that his job is his job coming off the bye, right? Like, we don't know that he's a starter despite his performance today. I think that he is. I think it'll be certainly solidified if Tampa loses while we're sitting at home getting healthy. Uh, I think it's certainly solidified if, uh, even if Tampa doesn't lose to New Orleans, uh, if we find ourselves still a game out or, or even a game and a half, because, again, we've got the, the, the half-game tiebreaker over Tampa Bay. We come out a game and a half behind. We got a real good chance still 
with Tampa having, I think, a slightly uh, tougher road to hoe through the rest of the ride till the end of the regular season. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's some element uh, of this that Sam Darnold was looking at and going, okay, have I done enough, right? Like, have I done enough to prove to you that this is my job? I don't know what more we could have asked other than 11 of 19, 164, one touchdown, and the one on the ground. I mean, he threw for, what, uh, a 55% completion percentage, 164, didn't make any mistakes, no interceptions, did not take a sack, didn't turn the ball over. Again, for a team with a rushing identity that I want to see continue to run the ball as we did today 46 times a game, I don't need my quarterback going out there for 350 and three touches. Oh, I need you to go out there for a buck 50, maybe a touch, no interceptions, no sacks, no fumbles. Darnold did exactly what we needed him to do for our identity to shine through and get a dub. And here we are. He did that, uh, that, that thing that people don't like to be called, but uh, he did it. Uh, he was a game manager today and he managed the game well. I thought he did. I thought you're spot on. I thought that's exactly what he did. All right, let's come back and talk a little bit of X's and O's on the Views from Mint Street podcast. All right, the Views from Mint Street podcast rolls on, ladies and gentlemen, a 23-10 to 10 victory over the Broncos of Denver over Russell Wilson and co today, Rob Brown, Lonzo writes with you to talk about it. And if you, if, if this is your first episode of views from in street, do us a favor, hammer that subscribe button, hammer that notification bell so that you are updated every time a new episode drops and share us around in your social circle. We want all the Panthers fans up in here talking football with us. Remember you can interact with us away from the pod on social media at the Rob Brown show on Twitter or at Lonzo on word W O R D. We will be talking football with you over there as well. Uh, so before I get into mine, anything that, that really stood out to you about this game, any, any particular uh, awards you want to hand out to individuals after this game today? Well, I think you definitely got to, uh, got to look at what Brian Burns did early in the game. Um, he was everywhere, uh, along with the rest of the defense, but he stood out. And the whole time, the very first appearance he made towards Russell Wilson, all I could think of is what you said in the last pod about him being in Russell Wilson's nightmares. And I'm laughing my butt off as I'm watching the game. Dude had such energy. And I know we could talk about him every game, about what he does, but that's the thing. That's how good he is, that you can talk about him every game and the kind of game he's having. And, and the fact that... He's pretty young, and if he stays healthy, we get to see that for years to come. I thought Brian Burns looked excellent. I thought he did. I'm I'm very curious to hear uh, what what that injury, if there was one, that he was dealing with late in the game, is going to be. Uh, I am I am very glad that we're going on the bye week primarily because of that. I think Brian Burns is a dude that uh, has really solidified himself as. Uh, the anchor of this team, right? Like, I think he's really kind of become the guy that that locks down the defense, both stability-wise uh, and emotionally. I think Brian Burns has kind of become that leader uh, and to not have him available 
uh, I think would be a, a, a big fall off. So we will, uh, we will find out about that. Uh, Dante Foreman too. Dante had a little bit of an issue early in the game. And was able to bounce back, come back, finish it off. 24 carries, 113 yards on the ground. For you know, we have talked how many times about the identity of this team being a run first team. That primarily works when Foreman is able to get going. And I think a lot of that today has to do uh with the offensive line. Go back and watch that game. I thought though, we really had a lot more uh a lot more offensive line movements. And I'm talking in a good way in the rush game than we have in years power and games past. There's been a lot of uh, straight up runs, right? I'm talking off guard, off tackle, off center, pick a gap, hit it hard, get through, see what happens. A uh, lot of pulling guards today. In fact, there was one particularly that uh, I kind of, I, I kind of was a little upset at Chuba Hubbard because uh, it was a pitch out left. Uh, Icky got out and was, was pulling out wide, got out behind the, uh, the, the tailback, excuse me, the wing back, got out to the outside and was set to absolutely decimate the cornerback that was set up out there. And Chuba put his head down and outran Icky to the cornerback. And the cornerback was able to make the tackle. Whereas if he is a little more patient, slows down a step, a step and a half, allows Icky to get out there and set up that block on the cornerback. Chuba Hubbard's taking that thing to the house, man. I mean, you're talking 60-yard touchdown run. I think he's got a genuine chance to absolutely smoke everybody in the defense, uh, and I would be very pleased with that reality. But he just outran Icky. What I loved was how exceptionally well Icky Kwanwu executed that play. The pull was great. There was no indication that he was going to pull. A lot of guys will have that kind of lean out to the left to get that quick jump. He did not. He pulled quick, got around the outside player, lined up straight up, had the block set. And the fact that we have an offensive line that allows you to have that many options uh, to, to, to not just have to run it off guard, off center, off tackle, but to actually send blockers in different exotic ways left and right with the running backs that we have. So, again, a lot of optimism there. All right, all right. so uh, two pods in a row. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stick up for the offensive line. You know, as a former offensive lineman of many I, I'm, years, I'm applauding them. You no, know, no, 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 not, not, not against you. Oh, okay. But, but, to, but to Chuba Hubbard, because many a times I have heard, well, if you get out of the way and – from from the running back, and the thing is, dude, I'm supposed to get in the way. That's the whole point. The, the <laughs> offensive lineman is supposed to get in the way. You should read which direction he's going. Use the lineman, and you're right. If he had a little more patience and just stuck his stuck his hand on on Icky's back, not shove him, but stick his hand back there and just 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 run with him till he hits that block. He's Getting you know five ten who knows maybe he goes all the way for a touchdown but yeah and the running backs will come back and say you need to run faster it's that's what they always do when they make a mistake like that and even the TV broadcast crew was was talking about how if he was more patient what he could have done and it was so so obvious and he was moving pretty fast for as big of a guy as he he is he was uh, hauling Jack. I think Chuba just wanted to hit the guy more than Nicky did. That's really what it came down to. He just wanted to hit that guy. I was uh, listen. I was I was perfectly happy with the offense. I mean, perfectly happy 
with the offensive line play. I thought Darnold, with the exception of one or two plays here and there, against a very good Denver front seven, uh, very rarely was getting hassled, right? There weren't a lot of points that I felt like Darnold would ha- was having to accelerate his play or you know, wasn't able to get time to get through the progressions, which opened up the floor uh, for DJ Moore to make a couple of moves. Uh, you had uh, a couple of snags out to the outside for Chenault. Uh, the only thing I was really disappointed in was that we didn't really see a lot of TMJ today. Uh, I, I thought that we were going to see a little bit more out of him. But again, when you run the ball 46 times and you've only got the ball going out 19 times, your best receivers are going to get their touches. And that's DJ Ian Thomas off the tight end and LaVisca Chenault, the way that he was running routes today. This was a this was a game that I thought was going to require uh, a lot of precise route running. This is a very good pass defense for the Denver Broncos. It was always going to require some excellent route running, uh, excellent timing of passes, et cetera. And I think we got all of that today. And again, I, I know it's cliche, but big guys need their love too. I thought the offensive line against a front seven that had me convinced Denver was a postseason threat this year, I thought had an outstanding football game. And, you know, not only did they have such a, a great game, but a couple of the uh, Denver defenders wanted to fight. And, you know, that's that's usually a sign of they're frustrated because they can't get through and and, and do what they, what they want to do, and they couldn't. They could I mean, Sam had all day. He really did, um, which is, is a good thing. And against that front, as you were saying, uh, there are a couple of those guys, man, they wanted to throw down because they were so frustrated because they were getting handled by the Panther offensive line. And that's, that's you know, a lot of people can't get excited about how good an offensive line is, but if this line stays together, they could have a lot of really good years and they're going to get better. I um I I could not agree more. I, I could not agree more. I think you know we've talked for the past couple of weeks about how we're looking for foundations, right? Like we're looking for parts of the whole that are are going to be there that we can build around. Offensive line's it. I mean that is of the units. That is the one. And I think they I think they really turned a corner. I thought they gelled quite a bit today. Uh, and I, I think that was very, very evident. Uh, defensive backs as well. I got to give some credit. In fact, even down toward the very end, J.C. Horn probably deserved a pick uh, on one of Russell Wilson's last couple of throws uh, down the stretch. I, I, I think, honestly, there were probably three that could have ended up as INTs, but I think that for the most part, they really kept anybody uh, from going big. Cortland Sutton had... The, uh, the, he had six crabs for 75 with a 22-yard long. Uh, Kendall Hinton had five for 35. Nobody else had more than 11 yards. They had a lot of receivers, but the majority of them were like two catches for 10, one for six, one for five, one for three. Uh, they had effectively 110 yards between Sutton and Hinton, and uh, about 36 of those came on two plays. I thought the defensive backs did an excellent job keeping a guy in Russell Wilson who has been struggling this year, uh, really having to read deep into progressions and opening up, you know, creating opportunities for coverage sacks. Uh, You know, we talked about the offensive line being a unit, but my goodness, there's probably another move or two to be made, though, but the defensive backs today looked excellent. 
Yeah, and you know the problem with the DBs is the fact that they haven't been able to stay healthy, and you're starting to get some of those guys back. Um, and looking good. And JC Horn, I think his biggest problem, if he does have a problem, is he wants to hit more than he wants to intercept. And that's not that's not a bad thing. It's not um, as long as he can stay healthy while he's doing it. But that dude, he really, really, he really likes to hit. Um, and uh, I, I, uh, I think it's because of South Carolina ha- has a history of talking about the school has a history of of putting out some DBs that like to lay the wood. They do. So I, I wrap this up. Uh, watching the end of that game and I was going through the 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 subreddit the panther subreddit on reddit because I if there's one thing I love in sports Lonzo it is listening to the knee-jerk reactions of fans right like it's it's my favorite thing positive or negative I love knee-jerk reactions from fans and I read this one a minute ago uh, right before we went on the air that said I think there is a legitimate chance that we win the next four out of five games, which for some reason really depresses me. Okay? Now, uh, four out of the next five. We got the bye. Then December 11th, we're at Seattle. December 17th, or excuse me, December 18th, we're back home against the Steelers. A week later, back home against the Lions. Then we wrap up the season with two road games at Tampa on New Year's Day and then at New Orleans on January 8th. So assuming that four out of those five end up as wins for like for the Carolina Panthers, you are looking at uh, an eight and nine season. You are telling me that coming into this year, if I'd have told you that you were going to be a 500-ish ball club. There's no such thing as a 500-ball club anymore. But you were going to be a 500-ish ball club at the beginning of this year that it would have driven you crazy. And I get it because, uh, effectively, we are watching C.J. Stroud. We are watching uh, Bryce Young slip out of our grasp a little at a time, right? Like, unless we make a big trade move. But here's the thing. You're in a division that 8-9 might outright win that thing, right? Eight and nine might outright win that thing. Um, I, I have been Tim Tank all year. I was I was Team Tank when we were in uh, the early portion of the season that we're in now. I was Team Tank early in the ride, but even I am looking at this now, Lonzo, and going, why would you Team Tank when Tampa Bay just showed you they're not going to run away, right? I was Team Tank when I thought Tampa turned a corner and they were about to be the Buccaneers that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. And I thought, okay, if they found their momentum, if they're pointed in the right direction, there's no point in trying to track them down. But they just lost to the Cleveland Browns, another three-win football team, the Cleveland football Browns. Tampa ain't running away from us, and if they're not going to take it, Lonzo, we might as well freaking fight them for it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. You know, it wouldn't shock me if this doesn't come down to, like, the last game to decide who's going to win the whole thing. That ends up being all tied and convoluted, and the Panthers have to win New Orleans, uh, have to beat New Orleans, and and another team, and Tampa has to lose. That game. It's, it's probably going to come, which is exciting in a way, Um but it's it's I think I think that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, it'll be more fun that way. And the Panthers, if they win the division, 
they can win a playoff game. It's possible. Um, I, I don't remember how that how that goes down. Do, if if the lowest division, do you win? Do you play a wild card team? Uh, of course, the of course a wild card team might have like twelve wins. But, yeah, you know. correct. Correct. Even if you win this division, and by the way, as it stands today, and and while, again, we're recording this Sunday, so the Saints are playing right now against the San Francisco 49ers. As it stands, uh, the Buccaneers still lead the division at five and six. The Falcons are five and seven. The Saints are four and seven, but they are in action right now. And the Panthers are now four and eight. If the Saints drop this one today, they will be four and eight. And both, again, one game out of the division as it stands, it may very well come down. Unless, again, Tampa finds a stroke somehow, it might very well come down to those last couple weeks of the season. And if I'd have told you that before this season started, Lonzo, you'd have gone, no, Rob, you're bad at your job. You're a liar and you're bad at your job. But here we are, man. Here we are. Actually, if you told me that at the uh, beginning of the season, I'd have been happy because that would have meant that Tom Brady was having a bad season. Fair enough. The hatred never turns off, ladies. And it ain't going away. I don't care if he's in the booth. I ain't going to listen to that game. Love it. Love it. All right. There's your wrap-up pod as the Carolina Panthers put away the Broncos of Denver via final of 23-10 to 10 and now move with the help of a Cleveland win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime to within one game of the NFC South lead. Remember, the next episode will drop for you on Wednesday of next week. Before we get out of here, Zoe, any final words for the people? Rolling, rolling, rolling. Look at Sammy rolling. He just got a big touchdown. Wow. Bravo. Good night, everybody. Bravo to the great one. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have some more thoughts. We'll get you some updates on the injuries. We'll get you some quotes from the pressers and more. And as always, we appreciate you listening to the Views from Mint Street podcast. Do us a favor, share us around in your social circle so we can can continue to grow the show. We'll see you back here on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. And until then, keep pounding, baby.